You're listening to The Spiritual Awakening Show. I'm your host, Brent Spirits, and this is another Kundalini Awakening Q&A compilation. In today's compilation, we'll be covering topics such as the relationship between Kundalini Awakening and the nervous system, how to manage chakra blockages, dealing with feeling impatient during a lengthy, difficult Kundalini process, how to embrace the shadow, integration, embodiment, and purpose, and more. Be sure to join us for the next meeting on Zoom. You can visit brentspirit.com slash kundalini QA for more info and to register. At the moment, it's free to join. Did you know I have a flagship eight-hour video course out? It's called Grounded, Spiritual Emergence and Integration. We go very deep into how to embody your far-out spiritual awakening in the world as a human being and everything that comes with it, like a fleshy body, a nervous system, responsibilities, relationships, emotions, and purpose. I'm really proud of this course. I didn't rush to make it at all. In fact, it took me over 10 years of personal exploration and supporting others going through spiritual awakening and crises to understand these concepts. I've put it together in plain English, and I've held nothing back. If you're feeling ungrounded and energetically unstable, check out the course at brentspirit.com grounded. You can also find some of my free courses on my website as well, brentspirit.com. Don't forget to leave a rating for the show on Spotify mobile. I really appreciate that. It helps me a lot. Enjoy the episode. In this segment, we'll be discussing Kundalini awakening and blockages in the chakras. Hi. Um, hi, everybody. So, oh, I don't know how to express this. Okay, Brent, you know, we've spoken already. Um, my journey started with a lot of Kriyas, and then I basically couldn't breathe. I was taking, or something like blocked, I couldn't breathe. I was rushed to the hospital. Uh, they did all the tests. Everything was fine. Every test you can imagine was taken, as you know. Um, since then, I have also lately, especially, I have been vomiting and things like that. Um, but I have a very physical sensation of a blockage in my throat. Um, the other day, I was getting so many kriyas. It's like Kundalini wants me to get something out, but it's not coming out. Uh, but it's also very, very physical, like almost like I can feel it in there and so sometimes I'm getting concerned thinking is there really something physical that maybe the doctors missed and the reason why I'm sharing this now is because I just want to know like have you heard about actual physical sensations or like almost like you feel like something is really wrong there could this still be kundalini I know of course you don't give you know there's always the chance of this being a medical situation don't worry about that I know but I just want to kind of know which way to go is there is it like you know you definitely might have something going on or is this kind of common within the world of kundalini yeah. got it got it so of course yes no, no medical advice here and, and genuinely not just to cover myself for liability issues i really mean there's no harm in consulting the doctor for anything that we're experiencing just to get peace of mind because we do know we can experience health issues alongside kundalini and those health issues can be treated uh, 
with, um, you know, the advice of our doctors. And so this is something to keep in mind. But yes, along this process, physical things do arise that um, are very palpable and visceral and not solely something that we are just perceiving, but actually something happening. Um, I mean, we can look at the physical kriyas themselves. We're seeing the actual body moving. So in the same way, there's actual things going on in the throat, actual what we may call um, um, signs of something um, being wrong per se. Now, one thing I would say is, and this can become very frustrating for many, is they know the energy is trying to push through a point, whether it's in the heart or, or somewhere else, anywhere along the spinal column. In your case, it's a throat. The energy is trying to you know, do something in the throat. And it can be frustrating because it feels almost like, you know, um, you want to burp and it can't come out. You want to cry and it can't come out. Um, and, and you feel sometimes that you have to do something in order to relieve it. So what I would say is, yes, you do what you can in order to relieve it, which means surrender, trust. If you're familiar with what area of your body it is and you're getting a feeling, this has to do with some expression in the throat. Maybe you can journal, you can write, you can express, you can, you know, vent, you can do these things. You do your part. But on the other hand, you have to also acknowledge that this energy, it knows exactly what it's doing. And every time that it is felt as if it's blocked, what you're perceiving is not, I want to shift everyone's mind from seeing you're not perceiving a blockage. You're perceiving the energy moving through a blockage. This is a very subtle distinction. You're perceiving the energy doing work at that point. This is God waking up in you. An emotional block is not going to stop God, right? But sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm so blocked. My blockages, my, my pain is stopping God and I need to do something so that God can move through me. No, no, God is doing the work and that's what you're feeling. And so it can be frustrating because it can take some time, but just know that every time you perceive it, even though it's uncomfortable on some level, you can say, oh, thank you. I see you're doing work there. Thank you. Thank you. At your own pace, at your own pace. This is how we can pray and relate with the energy. And that can bring us peace because often the, the difficulty around it comes from the confusion. It comes from the resistance. It comes from the feeling of wanting it to happen and, and pass through very quickly so we can move on. But if we can make peace with where, we at, where we're at and say, okay, there's some work happening here and it will take as long as it needs to take. From there, there's a layer of peace. And paradoxically, this may be the chance that then the energy moves through and says, okay, what you were meant to be shown throughout this experience itself was shown a little bit of acceptance, a little bit of patience, a little bit of, uh, of, of trust and surrender. Because along the journey as well also has its own lessons incorporated into the healing itself, if that makes sense. There's many dimensions that, that are happening here. So I hope that can help you. In this segment, we'll be discussing how to manage impatience during a lengthy and difficult Kundalini awakening process. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm su suffering from terrible impatience. Um, I always have this thing where I, I kind of know, you know, mentally that everything's okay, that I'm just, it's just going to take whatever time it takes. But, but I have this, you know, it's like that duality of the, 
higher self, if you want to call it that, and this self that's um, been like a tank, you know, I feel like I've been like a tank, you know, super controlled, uh, militaristic discipline. Uh, I can't let go of it. I, you know, things like this week was pretty good. I had some bad, bad uh, nights, but then it resolved and incredible, uh, you know, changes, in, internal changes and help from guides and just stuff that is amazing. But then today, for example, I get up and I'm feeling so impatient. Wait, why isn't this over? <laughs> you know? Okay. I think we can all relate, especially the point of feeling a little frustrated and impatient with how long this can take sometimes. I'll share some perspectives. On the one hand, it's important that we contemplate the magnitude of what this really is. If we really sit and contemplate that we are moving towards God-realization, enlightenment, self-realization, spiritual awakening, spiritual transformation, ascension, whatever you would like to call it, 5D consciousness, it's a pretty big deal, pretty big deal. And therefore, it should take some time. And the way I like to compare it is, you know, nobody complains that high school's four years and it takes so long and, you know, it's okay. It sounds like a reasonable amount of time. But if we tell some people Kundalini Awakening is going to take a few years at least, they say, oh, no, that's too long. This is far more significant than getting your high school diploma, far more significant. And so on some level, we have to acknowledge that, you know, let it take as long as it takes. Um, and you can also know that you've been working on this for a very long time, many lifetimes, you could say. And in this lifetime, having come so far, you're reaching towards uh, towards um, you know some very advanced stages. And um, that's something to get a little excited about if we zoom out and see the big, big picture. But of course, yes, it is frustrating, especially when we go through these cycles of healing and we come out, we get a little bit of a breath. It's great. We think okay, it's over. And then we're back, back into the darkness and again and again and again. And it seems like, you know, in some cases, years are going by. It can be very frustrating. One paradigm that you can look at it through is that the impatience is also what's being burned up. The impatience, the ego, the mind's tight grip on control and its own agenda and its own plan and vision for how one's life must go according to one's timeline, according to one's own pace. So what's happening here is that we're trading in those, you know, uh, old paradigms that we must be in control, which may have very well served. Some of us are very successful because we worked hard with discipline and, and we didn't stop and we, and we pushed through and we didn't delay, we didn't give into distractions and we became successful. And now we're being called to operate in a completely different paradigm, which is the paradigm of, you know, you could say it's, it's God's timing. It's the divine's clock. It's the universe's schedule. Um, you know, I, I think there's a great quote. Probably not going to get it right, but, you know, I don't even know what the quote is. But the idea is spring turns to summer. It's never too early. It's never too late. And everything is done. It's all done according to the flow. 
there's nothing ever rushed in nature. You don't see the, you know, the, the, from winter to spring, something in nature's rushing. There's no rush and everything is accomplished. This is a natural process happening to us. It's the same thing that's happening when we look out in a forest as the seasons turn. It's the same thing that's happening here. And so it's all going to happen without a rush, but it's all going to happen at the right pace. And in nature, we don't see egos, you know, trying to manage and make sure that they meet the deadline. It's we're operating a completely different paradigm. And so one thing we can do is contemplate this idea of not my will, but thy will, God's will. Um, you know, we can even actively say, okay, God, if you want it to take this long, well, you know, I want it to be a little faster, but this is your show. I surrender. I let it all go. Actively releasing that, that, uh, that part of us that's a little impatience, that can help as well. But ultimately, paradoxically, we zoom out, even with your impatience, you're not delaying it. The process is still unfolding at the right pace. So you can't get it wrong. Um, and, and you just have to just let, let what's coming up come up. There's nothing wrong here to feel impatient, to hate the divine, to hate God, to, to want this to all go away. All that's welcome here. And, and nonetheless, there's so much momentum behind this awakening process that you're going to make it when you're meant to make it. Fortunately, just to, to give you some, some hope here, things are happening very, very quickly at this time very quickly. I think every time we meet every one, every week, I'm different. Others, I'm sure in a week, a lot of different things are happening. Sometimes maybe nothing apparently happens, but a lot is happening behind the scenes. And then a little puzzle piece falls into place and a huge shift happens that changes everything. So keep that in mind. Um, you know, we're not living in the, the early 1900s where it was taking a lot longer. We're, we're, we're at a point where it's happening much, much faster. So I hope that can, can give you some hope. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, thanks. In this segment, we'll be discussing how to embrace the shadow during the Kundalini awakening process. Hi. Hi there. Okay, so my question is, I have so many, but I'm going to really just try and narrow this down to one. <laughs> so... Um, I've been going through, um, Kundalini awakening for the last couple of years. Um, initially I had a really rough, um, time. Um, but anyhow, so I'm at a point right now where the last month has been quite rough since November. Um, and the Scorpio energies, I feel like are just like bringing everything up. Um, <clears throat> I've had like things that I didn't even know existed come up. Like the last couple of years I've been kind of, I would say primarily stable, um, with my mood and, and energy. And I've been able to get myself back on track, like no matter what. But this November really kind of kicked my butt and I'm still dealing with it. And there's a lot of stuff coming up with like loneliness and like fear of death. And that's not even mine, like it's ancestral. And then there is like despair and sorrow and things like I'm able to identify these things like in the body, in the energy field. And I'm just wondering, I think maybe say I like I've identified something 
in to do with my shadow, right? And I mean, I give it love and acceptance, but I feel like I'm not fully, fully embracing it. Like, is there something that you could, you would recommend either as a practice or as a state of like being or viewing or perspective to do with the actual shadow? Yeah. Okay. That's a great question. Yeah. Great question. You've expressed it really clearly. So some things that are coming to me are, you know, so you said you're doing your best, but you feel like you maybe you haven't embraced it fully, or there's a deeper level that you can go. Um, don't be hard on yourself. A lot of this stuff is hard to embrace. It's very hard. We received no training throughout our life about how to embrace difficult emotions. So the fact that you're even entertaining it is, is admirable. And that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Um, but we can go deeper. So some of the, uh, the uh, practices that you can entertain, for me, it was putting my hands on my heart and saying, I love you to every part of me, every thought, every emotion, every sensation. I love you. That felt to me not solely as acceptance, but that felt like an embrace. Acceptance of a difficult emotion or a, the shadow feels too neutral. I wanted to go one step further and say, come here, I'm going to hold you. Not only am I not going to resist you, not only am I going to be neutral with you, I'm going to hold you, bring you in and welcome you into my, into my, my being here. And by doing so that the parts of me said, no, thank you so much. Now I can be healed and released. And so that's what my practice was. Um, you may like the work of internal family systems. IFS, it's a therapeutic approach, um, very spiritual in nature. And I know that uh, the folks over at When Lightning Strikes have been in touch with the creator of internal family systems, IFS, uh, Richard Schwartz. I'll probably butcher it, but in short, there's many parts of us. There's many parts of us that um, were developed throughout our life in order to um, survive. So we have the uh, the jealous parts, we've got the, the sad parts, the, the afraid parts. So in IFS, they say there's no bad parts. This is like a, a quote or whatever. There's no bad parts. So look at any part of your shadow that's coming up and don't see it as bad. It serves a purpose, it serves a function, even though it's difficult, even though it's makes you uncomfortable. It serves some purpose. So what you can do is actually see what, what did this despair serve for me? What did this fear serve? How did it, you know, contribute to me in my life? And like that, it make, make it easier for you to embrace it and integrate those parts back into the whole. So that's my brief IFS thing. Admittedly, I don't know much about it, but it's a direction that you may be interested in exploring, just doing some reading, looking on YouTube, and maybe even finding a a therapist that works with that type of stuff, but that's one way we can integrate the shadow. Ultimately, I don't even like referring to it as the shadow, though I do sometimes. The reason I say that is, be is because to me, there's only light here. There's only light. There's nothing else. There's only a spectrum of light. And on that spectrum, there's different frequencies and vibrations. And some frequencies are slower 
and they're more darker and kind of ugly and uncomfortable, like sadness or fear. But even that is still part of the light because there is only light here. So my practice, when I would say, I love you, to sadness, to fear, that was me actively trying to acknowledge that, yes, you two are part of the light. And in doing so, I stopped seeing it as two paradigms, light, joy, peace, and then darkness or shadow, despair, fear, etc. There's only light here. There's only God here. So my challenge to myself was, can I be mature enough to see that even these dark, uncomfortable things are in some way, some twisted way, part of the light? Or am I going to be quote unquote immature and say, no, not you, not you. I don't want to look at you. Get out of here. You're the shadow. A mature view was, okay, how can I find that this also is part of the light? So these are some ideas for you. But overall, it seems like you're going in the right direction. And this happens at its own pace. Um, you know, it's very difficult to embrace the darkness and, and the difficulty. But um, if our intention is there in the right pace, the right time, it will happen. It will happen. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. In this section, we'll be discussing Kundalini awakening, integration, embodiment, and living your purpose. Yeah, I guess it was, I was just, uh, I've had some interesting experiences where this world has kind of gone really like short glimpses and something's changed. Um, and it just gives me that kind of, I don't know, I guess there's that kind of existential kind of like crisis or or like, why are we all here? Like, what's the kind of point of it all? Um, and yeah, I'm just wondering on your path, when you when did you find out about your purpose for incarnating on this plane? Did it become clear? Is it, or was it a specific event that kind of, uh, induce that or yeah so just right just wondering okay so Bryn what I know about your journey based on our conversation last week seems that the energy is making its way up towards your head and so for many people when the energy enters into the head either it rises from the base up to the spine and eventually makes it into the head some people the energy pours in from the head downwards for some as well, practicing a lot of mind-based practices of meditation, self-inquiry, uh, you know, questions like what is the sound of one hand clapping? Who am I? What is the nature of reality? Very much mind-based phenomena. This can trigger what we could call existential questions. When it gets uncomfortable, you know, you may call it an existential crisis. You know, who am I? What is the purpose of being here? What is the purpose of all of this, of, of reality? Um, and then, of course, we do come to realizations that it's all consciousness. This is all awareness. You can say it's all like a dream. It's all an illusion. Some you know, may talk about it in this way. And these are insights that will come um, as the energy makes its way to the head. We may start to look outside at reality and what we thought to be physical and real and tangible, we see as we see it differently. We see it as consciousness dancing, as a manifestation of consciousness. And so from here, we may have those questions, you know, well, what's the point of being here? What do I do? 
Um, if it's all just spirit, you know, why did I incarnate here? And this can be pretty diff difficult for some. So this is what we speak about when we're talking about embodiment and we're talking about integration or reintegration back into the world of form after realizing the formless or realizing emptiness or consciousness or that it's all a dream. So integration and embodiment addresses your question here. You know, what do I do in the world now? I've seen that it's all consciousness. I've seen that it's all a dream. Okay, but I'm still here. On, on you know, common sense may say, well, you didn't incarnate into this life to realize that it's a dream and then, you know, leave. You came here for a reason. And so from here, questions of, you know, what is my purpose now can, can manifest. And of course, very difficult, especially for um, people around our age, young people, who haven't maybe not yet established a clear career path or a family, these questions can come about, you know, what do I do? Um, and so for me, very early on, I recognized that spirituality was the only real thing that I was passionate about, the only game I could see really worth playing. And so I said, no matter what direction I move in life, spirituality will be the umbrella under which it all falls, relationships, work, career, anything. So I, I said, no matter what I'm doing, it will be a, a spiritual practice. And so, especially early on, because it's happened to me very young, I, I worked in restaurants, you know, I was washing dishes. And that was a very spiritual practice for me, just practicing mindfulness, being present um, and whatnot. And so what I would say in general is that it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't have to be something super grand and spiritual in nature, in terms of your purpose. It can be you know, you could take up whatever your, um, maybe your family's in a certain line of work and you just continue that line of work, you know, whatever it could be. Maybe you just have to take the the first job you can get just to pay the bills. And that ends up being sort of a career path for you. It could be anything like that. But overall, our purpose here is to embody the awakening that we've had and transmit and radiate it through the nervous system here. And how we do that it doesn't matter where we go, what we're doing. You can be a, a fully enlightened person, you know, picking up garbage and, and it's still part of the work and it can still be a great uh, chance to, to demonstrate integration. Um, but for me, I was told um, at the end of 2019 in a meditation, you could say by my Kundalini or by my guides or by the divine, however you want to think about it, that I would be sharing uh, as a messenger for people going through awakening at this time of ascension on the planet. So I was fortunate enough to have been given this clear instruction that this is what I'll be doing. And around that, this all just kind of takes place on its own. I don't put much effort. I don't stress. It just kind of starts happening. So for many of us that are go through Kundalini awakening, we do have a clear path that, you know, we may be uh, told directly. You may receive a vision. Maybe a mentor will pick up on it and tell you, uh, you may just know, looking back at your life, that you're meant to do this work. So, for example, I was just talking with somebody yesterday. Uh, you know, he was um, struggled with addiction, got clean, began to do men's work, began to support people with addiction. So he's been in the healing space. And then later on, he, he began to have a kundalini awakening. And so I told him, I mean, he already knew this, but I just reinforced it for him. You know, I mean, look at your life. You've been in training to be a healer and a spiritual guide and a teacher and a mentor all of this time anyway. You can't 
you know, abandon all of this training that you went through when you were doing all of this work as a, a men's work and dealing with people with addiction. Now you're going to be doing something in a more spiritual way. So I invite everybody to consider what their life has looked like. What, what are the themes that came up, especially consider childhood. What specific interest did you have before people told you what you should be interested in or what's going to make you successful? What, what kind of shows up there? I was listening to a, a conversation briefly. I didn't finish the whole thing, but it was with Andrew Huberman and Robert Green on his podcast about purpose. And both of them said when they were young, Andrew Huberman, and he's like a you know a scientist, a biologist, neuroscience guy. Even at that age, he looked at animals. He's really fascinated by animals. Robert Green, really fascinated with words. Huberman became a scientist, professor. Green became a, an author. And that was very clear since they were children. So for me as a child, I was very much interested in people. Um, I was very much inclined to speak and to converse. And so it just makes sense for me. So I invite everybody to, to zoom out, take a look at your life. The themes may be there and you may already have a hint. Just go for it. You can't mess up. You can't mess up. This is so profound that the divine won't let you mess up. So, uh, you know, just just follow the flow. And I, and I hope that uh, you can, uh, you know, make sense of where your life is meant to go. Cool. Yeah, no, thanks, Brent. That's great. Yeah, no problem. In this segment, we'll be discussing the relationship between the nervous system and Kundalini awakening. I hear a lot about the nervous system uh, relating to Kundalini, but I have never understood what is the relation. I mean, we know that she's running through our entire body and affecting us on so many different levels, but I hear nervous system a lot. So what relation is there that is so extra special? Yeah, well, some will say the entire um, the entire body is regulated by the nervous system. And I, I, I saw uh, a sort of, meme you could say it was almost like a cadaver but it, the nervous system had been extracted out of this human body and it was just laying on a table with just these you know many different lines and it said you know this is actually what's perceiving the world it's the nervous system um when you touch something it's your nervous system that's interpreting and and, and sending the signals to your brain and all this kind of stuff so we're actually nervous systems in human bodies. And it's the nervous system that seems to be also in alignment with the energetic channels or what we may call the nadis uh, in the human body that the energy is flowing in. And so we can also see that when we relax, when we meditate, this affects the nervous system. The nervous system is, is uh, it goes into, you know, a relaxed state. And this seems to be synonymous with energy flowing through the nadis. Um, as well in the nervous system, there is, uh, the largest nerve is the vagus nerve. It's very important for regulating a lot of important things. Um, but the vagus nerve runs along the spinal column, just like what we may call the sushumna nadi within yoga or, uh, um, the central challenge channel, the central channel, the central column. So it seems that the nervous system can be very much overlaid directly onto what we may call the energy system. And um, a relaxed nervous system is a relaxed, flowing, energetic system. Um, so this is why you can explore some of the more scientific paradigms to facilitate your understanding and to develop your trust in these processes. So um, somebody who's traumatized, 
their nervous system is maybe in a state of fight, flight, freeze. For example, spiritual people will say somebody who's traumatized has a blockage in their chakra. In both cases, the energy can't flow or the nervous system can't relax. So it's the same thing, just looked at it through a more scientific paradigm, which can help. And this can also give us some confidence when we are exploring uh, more scientific modalities of healing. Um, say you want to you know, do the trauma work or look into the, the benefits of meditation in terms of how it affects the nervous system, because the spiritual stuff is weird for some people and it's not um, um, super digestible for some, but you know, the vagus nerve is, is pretty well documented and, 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 you know, what it's got to do with our, our overall well-being and peace and ability to relax. So these are some things that you can consider. So working with the nervous system can facilitate our Kundalini process, make it easier. Yes. Yes. Working with the nervous system is another paradigm to look at working with the energy in the body, the energy system in the body. Yeah. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Be sure to visit brentspirit.com to join my free newsletter, to find more free content just like this, to find out how to meet with me one-on-one, -on -one, and to make a donation to support this work if you find it meaningful. I appreciate you all. Much love. Mm -hmm.